0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 219. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we've got Kevin Reichstrahl. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing alright. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Michelle Gondry's latest, Microbe and Gasoline, along with Mickey Keating's latest, Carnage Park. We'll also be talking about some other stuff we've been watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on Video On Demand, Blu-ray releases. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We got some movie news here, just a couple things that I wanted to mention. First up, uh, Michael Cimino has passed away, the director of The Deer Hunter. Yeah. This makes me want to watch Heaven's Gate. I've never seen Heaven's Gate.
1: Yeah, that's been on my list for quite some time.
0: But it's, it's if you're not familiar, it's a, it's notorious. It's a notorious film in that it within the first days of shooting, it went way over budget and ended up costing, like, I can't remember what the final number was. It was like fifty million or something, which adjusted for inflation is like one hundred twenty-four million dollars, something like that. And the final cut of the movie that he that he uh, gave to the studio was like five hours long. Mm-hmm. And apparently he was just abusive, like he was abusive to the cast, and it was just a, a, a horrendous thing. And then also uh, one thing that this movie's famous for is the amount of animal abuse that was that took place on set actually caused uh, a a shift in how uh, animals are handled on movie sets. It, it caused, yeah, it caused um, regulations to come down with how animals should be treated on movie sets because so many animals were killed on the set of this movie. Not, not purposely killed, accidentally killed because of how they were handled. Hmm. Yeah, so apparently it's a very uh, notorious movie, Bombed. And it pretty much ruined his career. And it almost—I think that it ended up did it did end up sinking United Artists, who were funding it. They ended up getting bought out by MGM as a result. But it is interesting now that
1: all I read is how amazing of a movie it is, which is what initially led me to want to see it. Well, it's all because criteria. I, I, didn't, I didn't know any of the other, you know, like the background stuff. But I just kept reading it. You know, it's amazing.
0: Oh it's one of the best films ever made. It looks really good. I mean it's with uh Chris Christopherson and um Jeff Bridges. Criterion re-released it, so you can probably see a nice remastered version on Criterion. But yeah, I I'd want to see it. I want to check it out cuz I think that the the final theatrical release was under 3 hours. So mm-hmm. they did trim it down a lot. But uh yeah, it's uh it's sad that that's you know that that happened. Uh, some other kind of this is more infuriating rather than sad. But Cinemark theaters uh, are looking to seek six hundred ninety-nine thousand one hundred eighty-seven dollars and thirteen cents in legal fees from the victims and families of the uh, Colorado shooting that took place a few years ago. This is the the one with the uh, the Dark Knight Rises. So basically, there was. Uh, a class action lawsuit filed against Cinemark theaters after the shooting by the victims' families. They lost, and because they lost, they are subject to paying the defendants' legal fees. And Cinemark looks like they are, in fact, going to seek those fees. What a wow. dick move! Wow. I mean that that's like like who made that decision? Wow. It's like yeah, we're sorry that you're. That your son or daughter was killed in our theater, but you gotta pay us now. Jesus. It's bad enough that they charge ten dollars for a small popcorn, am I right? Damn. Just
1: throwing jokes in there too. <laughs> Cinemark
0: Shit. burn. Uh oh, this this makes Christ. I don't think I don't even know if there are any Cinemark theaters in my area, but I would I would say this is enough to boycott that theater chain. Like yeah. just don't go to Cinemark theaters anymore because they're garbage people. And they don't deserve any money at all. No, because that is horrific. It's just horrific. Yeah, to do something like that.
1: I don't even like. I don't. Even, I don't even have anything to say about that. That's just wow.
0: Like you, they, like they won the court case, you know. So yeah, like just, just take, just... just take that, take that as a win, and leave it. You know, they yeah. didn't ask you to spend seven hundred grand in legal fees. It's on you.
1: <sighs>
0: mm. Yeah, so don't go to Cinemark theaters anymore because. They're garbage people. Trailers this week got a couple interesting ones to note here. The Childhood of a Leader. Have you seen this? I've not seen. Read that. about it. Know anything about it? Is this the Corbett one? Mm-hmm. Brady Corbett's directorial I debut. I do want to see that. It looks really good. It's a period piece, but don't let that sway you because it, it looks like it's sort of um looks like kind of a psychological thriller. Uh, Robert Pattinson's in it, but uh, it looks. It looks quite good. The trailer's excellent too. So I would I would definitely keep that on your radar. Joshy, new comedy. Uh this one this one interests me as well, uh, because it has a lot of people that I like in it. So it's um basically about this guy uh played by Thomas Middlete- Middleditch who is he was gonna have a bachelor party but then his um engagement was called off. And they already had, like, the deposit and everything, so they decided to do the bachelor party anyway. So it's just about him and his close friends having this sort of bachelor party, but not really. It turns into, like, kind of this just depressing uh, weekend of drinking. And it's with Adam Pally, Alex Ross Perry, Nick Kroll, Brett Gelman, Jenny Slate, Aubrey Plaza, Joe Swanberg, Chris Swanberg, Allison Brie, Jesus. Jake Johnson, yeah. <laughs> uh i'm all about this cast so the trailer's not great it's not that funny but um i'm still i'm still into it it's directed by the guy who did life after beth with aubrey plaza the zombie one which i wasn't a fan of but i'm still into into this movie
1: yeah and he wrote i Heart Huckabees. yes he did yep that sounds interesting i never heard of that
0: yeah yeah i i it uh, screened at Sundance this year. So keep an eye out for Joshy. Uh, the The final one that I'll mention is Sully. This is the oh, Sully Sullenberger. Oh, <laughs> With Tom Hanks. Uh, directed by Clint Eastwood. Man, why is this a movie, guys? Why does this exist? Come on. It looks so bad to me. I just... I can't get on board with this. I like I like Tom Hanks. I'm I'm a big fan of Tom Hanks, and I've I've liked a number of Clint Eastwood's uh, directorial efforts. But this one is definitely not doing it for me. It looks it looks it looks almost, but not quite as sappy as that uh the oil one. <laughs> what's the uh what's the oil spill one um. With Mark Wahlberg. Oh, I Deep Water, Deep Water
1: Horizon. Something, something along those lines. I know what you're talking about. I just, I, I'm curious to know how long this Sully's gonna be. It's probably gonna be like two and a half hours long. It's probably gonna be.
0: It's gonna be long as shit.
1: it be ridiculous.
0: I can feel it. But man, you know that that when he lands it on the water. You know, it's going to be epic. That scene's going to be epic. They're going to put all their money into that scene. With, well, yeah. With I mean, bird that's... going into the engine. And them like, we're going down. And people are just going to be like, so scared. And they're going to be like, texting their families and stuff. And It's going to,
1: like, that's going to be, <laughs> that's like, the whole movie. No one's going to care about anything leading up to that scene. Like, people are only going to go to see that scene.
0: Yep. It just seems like a... Another like one of those, uh, like the Chilean miner movie, where it's like, it, I don't why? think this needs to exist. It's no. a great story. you know. It's a, it's a miraculous story, but do we need it in film form? I don't no. think so. I don't think no. we do. We do not. Let's, let's start off with microbe and gasoline. I don't know why. That's just what we're going to start with, because I mentioned it first, the top okay. of the show. All, All right. This cool. is written and directed by Michelle Gondry. I feel like it's been a while. Since we've seen it, it, him.
1: Yeah. It feels like it has been quite some time.
0: Is that, it? I think his last movie was the, I already forgot the name of it. The one about the kids on the bus. Oh, I forgot about that
1: one. I was think I forgot that that existed in between. I was thinking Mood Indigo was the last one.
0: Oh yeah. You know what? I think Mood Indigo did come out after the we in the eye is the name of that one. The bus one, but I'm pretty sure Mood Indigo did come out afterwards. Yeah, you're right. Uh, So anyway, this, uh, I have a synopsis here. Two young friends embark on a road trip across France in a vehicle they built themselves. Uh, Now, Kevin, you have a review for this up on the site, so I think I'll start it off. I liked Microbe and Gasoline just fine. It wasn't anything mind-blowing. It had those Michel Gondry touches, but they were very slight in this one. It was sort of like the wee in the eye in that he was very restrained in this one whereas mood yeah. indigo he went all out and in in this one he was uh really the only thing that had his kind of stamp on it i feel was the was the the car the car house itself yeah and there were some other kind of little creative flourishes like the kid's bike that had the uh little microphone and the sound the sound machines and just there were a few kind of quirky fun little scenes here and there like them synchronizing their fake watches and stuff which I appreciated. Um, but, you know, the, there wasn't anything amazing about this movie, but it was just kind of a fun, lighthearted, uh, coming of age sort of road trip movie. And I found it quite entertaining.
1: I agree 100% with you. And I think it does to kind of depend on how, how you, where you stand with Gondry regarding those creative flourishes. Because I know that some people, you know, they feel that, like something like Mood Indigo is like it's, it's too much, it's exhausting. It's just you know way too much of that that whimsy that he has in there. But see me, I love that. I love when he just goes all out and it's just nonstop.
0: I think for so, for me, it's when he's kind of in the middle. Like to me, "Be Kind" rewind was the perfect blend of like down to earth realism and then also kind of uh you know dreamlike, just pure creativity. Yeah,
1: and I I have to say I was kind of. Number one, I was surprised that there what there wasn't that much, because like you say, it really comes down to just the, the gardening shed go-kart that they build, and there's a little things here and there, um, but mostly it's just the gardening shed that they build, and in all honesty, it takes a while to get to that point. Yeah, because like, there's to, a lot of build-up. Yeah, there.
0: yeah, because you have to build which it. I,
1: Yeah, which I mean, I did appreciate to a certain extent, because they did you know, he did develop these characters and their relationship and stuff and kind of built up to their, to that moment where they kind of, they go out on their own, get their freedom and their independence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, but mm-hmm. like you said, I, I do, it is, it's just a fun time. Yeah. you know, It's a lighthearted movie. It's not, it's not heavy. Um, It's not, you know, just nonstop attempts at humor just over and over again, you know, just one joke after another. It's just more of just a, like I would say charming. Yeah. Just had a smile on my face the whole time. I don't know if it's a movie that's really gonna stick with me. Right. You know, down the road, you know, five years, six years
0: from now or so. But while I'm watching it,
1: I enjoyed myself.
0: Yeah, same here. Same here. Uh I thought that the the two main characters uh were they were likable, they were endearing. I did like going back to what you said that they, he took the time to really develop these characters out like their home life, their family life, their relationship with their parents, all of that stuff helped shape who they are. And that's very evident on the screen. Like you can, you can really understand and get in these kids head and understand where they're coming from and why they are the way they are. And it it all fits into place. And I, and I like that a lot. I think that the character development was really well done in this movie. And you know the making showing showing their their home life and their family life and the the personality of their parents as well, I think went a long way with that yeah um and then the just the, the how they're looked at at school too, you know it helped solidify them as being these kind of weird weird outsiders that aren't very well liked, and so naturally they gravitated towards one another and helped this this friendship form. I couldn't tell. It's it's so funny though the that the the character of uh, Daniel, he throughout the movie he gets mistaken for a girl, and for the first probably ten to fifteen minutes of the movie, I was trying to figure out if it was a boy or a girl. <laughs> I did. I could not figure it out.
1: I keep coming back to it. But I've, after he gets
0: the haircut, he he definitely
1: looks like a boy, which I did love how he get. His first attempt at a haircut and then him give giving himself a haircut. They
0: yeah. <laughs> have the Korean brothel. <laughs> he gets a haircut at a Korean brothel. Um, yeah, that was a funny that was a funny scene.
1: And I did I I thoroughly enjoyed and like I said in my review that, I th- I thought it was refreshing to see this kind of like the sweetness in their relationship, in their friendship that you don't normally see, you know, in movies that are bad. Like teenagers, like going all out in the summer, you know, like there's that one point that you know they're holding hands to help each other out because the one's terrified of flying. Mm -hmm. And the the Daniel kid has this thing where he kind of rocks to go to sleep Mm -hmm. and he's kind of like self conscious about it. But Theo doesn't really make fun of him for it and kind of actually wants him to do it because it ends up helping him go to sleep as well. Yeah, there's just a lot of nice moments like that.
0: And it's not. Uh, there's no like undertones of anything either. It's just it's it's pure, and I appreciated that too because a lot of movies these days like to throw in undertones and have it be, you know, like oh they're they're falling in love with each other or something like that, and throw in these yeah. things. And it's like we don't need that. Like this movie doesn't call for that. No, and that's it, well, not the type of movie this is.
1: No, because you can look and see that it kind of comes down to, because of the way Gondry kind of develops the the home lives, you see that Daniel spends a lot more time with his mother, and he definitely has a more feminine side to his personality. And right. you can he's, see the, that there's, the numerous times, the yeah, there's, there's numerous times throughout their, their trip where he kind of, he does like some motherly things, like when he buys Theo new underwear and stuff. Mm-hmm where it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have this undercurrent of like like you said are they falling in love with each other and stuff but it's just more of him like being a mother almost you know looking out for his friend
0: whereas the other kid did you say theo or daniel because daniel was the one that was the motherly one
1: yeah i can't, don't know if i said i,
0: I can't uh, be honest. uh theo is more the he's like the mechanic so he's the one he works with his father so it's like he's got you know, he's the other side of that. Yeah.
1: He's a, definitely like the more masculine. And that's why they call him the
0: Gasoline, team. because he's always working on fixing things and he just constantly smells like gasoline, apparently.
1: Which he kind of, you know,
0: helps Microbe get a
1: little more confidence in himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just thought it was a really nice just depiction of male friendship. I thought it was, you know, more, you know, movies that kind of tackle this, like, I, I identified with this more so than. You know, like, I would almost say, like, the American version, where they're, you know, they're usually more mean-spirited with each
0: other. Right.
1: They're just out trying to, out to try get chicks. Yeah, yeah. Get late. We gotta get rid of our virginity.
0: And that and that did play at least a small role. I mean, these are, you know, 13, 14-year-old kids that are, you know, coming into their sexuality. So, it, it certainly played a role. There was that really awkward masturbation scene, but but which which further really, really confused me as far as cuz at that point I still wasn't sure if it was a guy or a girl. <laughs> uh and I was like really confused, but uh so they do touch on those things, but they don't make that the focal point. It's not like these guys are on a on a road trip to get laid. Yeah. Exactly. It wasn't it wasn't like that. I mean, they were they were on a road trip and if they happened to get laid, then that was just bonus points.
1: Yeah, but that wasn't really like what was thrusting them forward. Exactly.
0: And I certainly appreciated that. Comparing this to other Michelle Gondry films, what did you think of this visually? Like where does this compare and well that was that was the main thing that was a
1: kind of a letdown. Like number one, like we, we both kind of said that there's there's a restraint with his you know his creativity, his whimsy that he throws in there. But also visually, there wasn't there wasn't a lot going on. I mean, it was I thought it was well enough made, but there was nothing that really like you know stood out to me. Right. I mean, he he dips into it here and there, like when when they're they take the plane ride back and how you know it's going backwards, and mm-hmm. then it's just that was you know he's yeah, like, yeah. he's dreaming, and then he Daniel's
0: aware of the cuts in the film, yeah. and he, he's trying to figure it out. Yeah, I liked that. I liked that little thing. Would you know? Like if you didn't know that this was directed by Michelle Gondry, watching it, would you say, This is this looks like it's directed by Michelle Gondry? I would just because of the like the inventions. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the garden and shed go
1: kart and stuff. That would clue me in. Now visually speaking, like the cinematography, the camera tricks and stuff, no, I probably wouldn't I wouldn't think that. Yeah. But having like the bike with the sound effects and then the go kart that they make, like that's that's all Gondry.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would instantly recognize his stuff because he he does have a very specific style, but you know, because it's more muted and more more realistic and grounded than a lot of his other movies. I don't I don't know if I'd immediately pick up that this was one of his. And I gotta say, like the biggest thing for me, outside of the way he handles the
1: the friendship, which again is you know the biggest highlight for me. But coupled with that is the performances from the two leads there. I mean, they're first timers, but like their chemistry with each other, like really short. They, you know, they really yeah, they nailed it. Yeah,
0: they they really sold the, the idea of them being friends. And these are these are two people in the movie that are just becoming friends, too. So they don't know each other. It's not like, you know, the movie starts with them already coming up through, you know, grades, grade school together or whatever. Yeah, and they're it, still working out like
1: what are the boundaries of their friendship? Yeah. You know, like what hurts whose feelings? Like what areas can you go into? What other you know what areas you got to kind of stay away from? Because there are moments where that you know they piss each other off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just felt the way that all that was handled was I could definitely relate to.
0: Yeah, definitely, and it was funny too. Um, I don't want to undercut the fact that this is a comedy, and there were. Number of really funny moments, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like a non stop
1: laugh riot,
0: riot. yeah. No, actually, it's one of those
1: movies that just puts a smile on your face,
0: yep. All right, microbe and gasoline. I think you gave this a seven, right? Yeah, I'm also gonna give this one a seven. It was just, I like coming of age stories. This was, this was a solid one, wasn't anything amazing. I'll probably forget most of the plot of this by the end of the year. But I I found myself enthralled while it was on. I liked, yeah, I, just, I liked the scene with the when they stole the football too. That was great.
1: Yes, I also forgot this the little thing of when when Daniel comes back and his mother's like, oh, you you really grew the way that they you know the way that he shot that that they're the, the, the same height now. Mm. Oh yeah,
0: it's just a, a, a little subtle little thing. Little yeah. touches. Uh, so that's Microbe and Gasoline that is playing in limited release right now. Let's talk about our next movie, Carnage Park. This is pretty much the polar opposite <laughs> of Microbe and Gasoline. <laughs> this is this is written, it sure in, is. yeah. This is written and directed by Mickey Keating. I have a synopsis here. After botching an ill-conceived bank robbery in a desolate California town, two wannabe crooks flee the scene with a hostage and lead the local lawmen. On a Dangerous High-Speed Chase. This stars Ashley Bell, Pat Healy, uh, and uh, James Landry uh, Yeah. Larry Fassenden's in there, too, in yes, a cameo. Yes. He loves doing those little cameos. Kevin, we'll start with you on this one. What did you think of Carnage Park?
1: Oh, boy. Uh, hmm. I'm not quite sure. This this has happened to me twice this week, okay, where there's, there's the movie... In which I'm not a hundred percent sure how I feel about it, because they're both mostly just like it's just like a violence pageant. hmm mm-hmm, It's mm-hmm. just like, oh let's let's do violence. Um I did find it somewhat interesting in the way that it it starts the you think that it's about this this uh botched robbery attempt and their hostage, and then that quickly goes out the window. Yeah, and, and see- it's not that
0: anymore. Yeah. That- See, I knew that it was about that going into it, and I kind of hoped that they rode that out a little bit more. Um, there's something that happens very early on after they get to this compound of sorts, and it pretty much gets rid of that whole idea that this is a hostage thing. And I, I wanted them to kind of ride that out a little bit more just to see more interaction between the uh, the, the the criminal and... Uh, and uh, Ashley Bell, the, the hostage. Yeah. I wanted to see a little bit more about one more Scorpion Joe in this. I, I did want to, because they're building Scorpion Joe up too, yeah. which I found interesting, because they do like a whole title card for yeah. Scorpion Joe. Yeah, I liked, I liked, I mean, he was an evil son of a bitch, but I wanted uh, to see more of how he handled the situation that he, that he put himself in. And I Plus, was little, I just,
1: I just like James playing Trey uh, so I thought he was fantastic and Two Step, and I was yep. like, oh man, this is annoying, and he's
0: like, full in yeah. to this whole idea of Scorpion Joe, yep.
1: and it's like, oh man, this is going to be great.
0: Yeah, it's un- <laughs> it's unfortunate what happened there. This movie, for me, was, uh, there was like, there were flourishes of things in this that I was like, oh, that's great, that's fantastic. I'm loving what, what is happening here. I like the premise, I like a lot of the... A lot of the shots in this, a lot of the visuals were interesting, especially the scene when she finds the 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 record player, the the to- like the old the toy record player, and the the uh, I don't know if it's, I guess it's not. It's in the trailer. Pat Healy is the bad guy, and he's shooting at her from a very long distance away with like a sniper rifle, and you you just you hear the shot way out in the distance, and then you see the hole appear on the this like billboard that she's standing next to and that whole scene i thought was fantastic yeah and there were there were several scenes like that in this movie where i'm like man like the the visual style of this is very much so taken from uh it's a grindhouse movie that's what it is i mean there's yeah. there's a lot of if not tarantino influence certainly the the movies that influenced tarantino you know the 70s Yeah, yeah. Grindhouse desert movies where everything's very desaturated. Everything from like including the title card, which I loved, of course. But it was the only thing that kind of threw me for a loop at the very because I didn't know
1: really know what this was going into it. And then seeing it, you know, as it's kind of playing out towards the beginning, I was like, okay, so this is kind of like this is kind of like a riff on like punishment park movie from the seventies. Because I guess Pat Healy's kind of playing like a Vietnam vet comes back and you know now he has this like sprawling desolate desert where he's I guess just made a game for himself really mm-hmm. yeah. but the thing that threw me is like at the beginning he's you know just an unknown person that he's taken down and he's the sniper and just the way in which he holds the gun to shoot like that's not how a sniper holds a gun <laughs> and I'm just like what what the hell is that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If that was supposed to be like a little bit of comedy, right there. I
0: I don't know. I don't even. Kinda, re- I don't remember how he was holding it. So he
1: just he like he doesn't even like line up a sight or anything or aim. He just kind of like holds it out in front of him and shoots. And he's holding it really awkwardly too. And it's like that's not how you. Okay. And just I kept getting. I was just thrown off so much because, like I said, it's the, the beginning. of this robbery attempt, and we do so much build up to it, and. They do flashbacks. Oh, and then, the fl-
0: I thought the flashbacks were great too. I like how they did the, those. I did. I mean, I didn't mind them.
1: I didn't think they were bad. I didn't think they were great. I, I just thought that, you know, they were serviceable. And I just, I like this whole idea. And then it was all kind of like thrown out the window. And then we're just kind of left with Ashley Bell in a worse situation than she was before, Yeah. which is kind of interesting. But then it just turns into her like she has to escape this madman. And I just felt it was. I just, it felt way too drawn out they, they, at times.
0: They certainly threw the interesting premise to the side very quickly. Yeah. And it turned into a pretty typical uh, horror movie at that point. It reminded me of almost like a Rob Zombie movie. Certainly had some Texas Chainsaw Massacre influence in there as well. Yeah, which she's just got to uh,
1: outwit this guy.
0: Yeah, which I, I liked Pat Healy as the villain too. I'm, I-, I like Pat Healy a lot and I thought that he, he, was he, he plays a great villain. And I, I wanted I wanted more of him too in, in it. But I always want more of Pat Healy and everything. Uh the thing, and then
1: sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say then it got a little bit interesting again, like towards the end when they get like in this like tunnel system mind thing yeah. going on because I thought what he did with like the, the sound design in that was was really creepy. Yeah,
0: because it's so she gets into this mind system and it's so dark that for a a large portion of it, you can't see anything. Like she can't see anything. We can't see anything either. And that was one of the issues I had with, with it is that I, I felt like that scene went on for way too long. And then the movie ends right after that. And I was like, "Ah." like it, it felt like, you know, I liked the final shot, but everything leading up to that, I just didn't feel like it had much, you know, like gravitas to it. Yeah. It started to lose its...
1: Because I guess, it, you know, it's still kind of like trying to build this tension or whatever. But it just, it kind of felt flat for me. Yeah. Especially considering, like you say, you, you can't really see anything. Now, luckily, the sound in that, throughout that whole stretch of the film, I thought was great. With yep. like yeah. the music and the, you know, it's all slowed down and everything. It's really creepy. But at the same time, you can't really see anything. So you're just like, okay, I don't Like there's... I'm kind of creeped out, yeah, but there's nothing really else here for me.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm okay with do, doing a scene like that. I think that that's interesting, but it, I just felt like it went on for too long. I, I felt like it needed to be, got to tighten that up a little bit. And, and it,
1: was, I did, it was, I just, the one thing that kind of got me was when his, when the sheriff shows up, and I'm just like, wait a second, is that Cameron Fry? You bet and it you, was. You, you bet it was Cameron it Fry. Was. It's, like, it's like holy shit. Where's Alan Ruck been all this time? <laughs> I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I haven't seen him in ages, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I liked his uh, his character as well. And I guess it was Pat Healy's brother in this.
1: Yeah, which I, I mean that comes that something happens there, which didn't really. I don't know. Just felt off to me the way in which he gets. Yeah.
0: I, I I knew I, I knew it was gonna ha- I had a feeling that that was gonna happen. Uh, let's talk about the violence because uh, this is a pretty I mean with a movie with the title Carnage Park which by the way I think is a great title. Um, There's a lot of carnage. It, there is a lot of carnage in this movie and I was thinking to myself well how much carnage can we have because really it's just one one v one here. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's really just Pat Healy versus Ashley Bell and she's trying to escape. But uh they managed to put in a whole lot of carnage, and it's just it's really interesting too
1: that he has that much carnage all at once, like there's bodies everywhere,, yeah. and they're all fresh too,
0: yeah. like he doesn't clean up after himself, nah.
1: which you would think nah. he would
0: you know he doesn't have to he's let the buzzards let the buzzards do that, I guess,
1: but I mean they're just everywhere
0: they are there there are a lot of there are a lot of bodies he's he's been at work for a while on this uh this uh death compound of his and it seems like Ashley Bell because he's trying to shoot her right so it seems like if he did succeed and shot her she'd be getting off lucky because what happens to some of these people looks really bad like, yes. like he's, it looks like he's torturing people poor Larry Fassenden has got a freaking bear trap caught around his ankle and I guess he, he just left Larry Fassenden he's just like yeah oh, I'm done with him
1: I guess he was going to come back Maybe. Maybe. It seems like he's just having a really tough time keeping up with all the people. Problem is, he's, there's
0: too hard. much. There's too much carnage happening for for one man to handle. Yeah. Too many people entering his his land.
1: Which it seems like he yeah, got a shit ton of land. Heck, yeah.
0: A whole desert.
1: How do you get that?
0: I don't know. I guess desert land is probably not <laughs> not too expensive. Relatively can't do, cheap. Can't do much on it. Can't grow anything. But you can sure kill a lot of people. Yeah. So, overall, I I enjoyed this. I think Mickey Keating is... Uh, he To me, he seems like he's just a machine at this point. The dude's been turning out well, movies. That was, <laughs> that was the first thing when it said Mickey Keating. I'm like... We just
1: name, reviewed... I was like, yeah, I was like, that name sounds familiar.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's one reason I picked it. Because we reviewed Darling not too long ago.
1: That's just like a couple weeks ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. And... He's coming out, and his next one's out already. So, so the dude's just been, and it clearly he likes his horror movies, but thus far he seems to like to mix it up and do play with different subgenres within horror. And when you compare this to Darling, it's wildly different. Yeah, which I appreciate, and I think yes. that I mean I, I definitely think that all of these are like a learning experience for him and i think that he's becoming more astute as a director like i liked i liked this one significantly more than darling that isn't to say that i hated darling or anything but i thought that See, this that's... one was was uh, more well made than yeah. darling
1: and i think i would i would go that far too that i think carnage park is more well made than darling but i i like darling more I, I don't. Know. I think I just liked his stylistic choices, and Dar. I was more up my alley. Right. I, I mean,
0: Dar- Darling is definitely a more cerebral film. It's because it's dealing with more of a psychological horror. So he got to play around with more camera tricks and things like that, and make things more surreal. And then it was also in black and white. So he yeah, got it's to- more of
1: a like a going for like unsettling. And yeah, yeah. Stuff like that where. It- I just I have a really difficult time with these, you know, just like ultra violence,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Like people getting slaughtered. I'm just like, yeah,
0: yeah. I I prefer.
1: It's exhausting, ex- yeah, like watching is, people just get
0: slaughtered. To a, to a certain extent, it is. Yeah, I have yet to see Pod. I'm I'm gonna try to go back and watch that because I w- I want to see that because that's more of a sci-fi horror. So, and he has a new one coming out called Psychopaths, which I don't I don't really know anything about that, but. Man, he's just looks like Ashley Ashley Bell's in psychopaths too. Looks like a lot of the same people. Oh, Jeremy Gardner's in psychopaths. Yeah, but he's definitely a director to watch because he's been just cranking them out lately. Yeah, and they're and I feel like they're they're getting better. Like I think that they're not bad. They're not bad movies. They 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 I think that they all have issues. Some issues with them, but he's definitely got an interesting voice. Yeah. All right. especially
1: if you're into that genre. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. All right, Carnage Park. I'm gonna give that a six out of ten. I give uh, I give it like a five and a half. There you go. That's uh, it's better than I thought you would do. I I didn't think you were gonna like that one too much.
1: It's just I don't know what to do with these <laughs>
0: these films because well, we're... we're gonna discuss another one because I watched Green
1: Room and that's another film that I just don't know. I don't know how I feel mm. about mm-hmm. these.
0: Okay. Understand. Um, Carnage Park is, I believe, that is available on VOD right now. So that's on VOD and playing in select cities. So you can check it out. And I would say, you know, if you're into into violent horror movies, it's it's worth a look. It's definitely got that kind of throwback '70s feel to it. Um, yeah. It almost feels like a movie that Rob Zombie would make if Rob Zombie could make good movies. Cause there's some, there's some like kind of really weird stuff in there. Like some of the stuff he has like hanging around on his compound almost looks like he's got some sort of ritualistic thing that he's got going on.
1: Yeah, he's uh, the, uh Vietnam had quite an effect on him.
0: Yeah. Uh that's Carnage Park. Let's talk about someone we've been watching on the watch list. I think it's my turn to go first this week. Is it? Do it. I saw Wiener Dog. Lucky. The old Todd Slans. Uh, this uh, I would say I'm glad I rewatched Welcome to the Dollhouse because we had Ryan watch that for Ryan watches movie and I I rewatched it and I'm glad I did because there's actually an I knew that Don Weiner was in this and I knew Greta Gerwig was playing Don Weiner but uh Kieran Culkin actually plays Brandon the other kid from Welcome to the Dollhouse and then his brother with Down syndrome is also in this. So they they brought back three of the characters from Welcome to the Dollhouse uh as adults. And that so that in and of itself is interesting. So this is four four different stories that are the only connection they really have is through this dachshund. Uh and it's uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't want to say I don't know if it's it's definitely not his best movie. It it deals with some it's an uncomfortable film like most of his movies. There's there's one scene in particular where Julie Delpy talks about dogs getting raped to to her young son, and that was definitely interesting, and there's something that happens towards the end that will certainly shock audiences, but oh, cool. it was more, I felt like it was more restrained than, than most of his other movies. That isn't to say it was bad by any stretch, I liked it quite a bit, and... All of the stories are really unique and interesting in their own right, and it's very funny. So Wiener Dog, I would definitely recommend. This is probably probably one of my favorites this year so far. Ooh, I, nice. I had a blast with it. It's very funny, but it's a very specific style of humor that a lot of people probably may they may not like. You know, a lot of people seem to like the more Will Ferrell, you know, style. Uh, Seth Rogen-style humor, whereas this is just very awkward, dry humor. Yeah. That, you know, if you're familiar with his films, then I think that you'll like this one for sure. And I I definitely liked it more than Palindromes and Life During Wartime and uh, Dark Horse. So this is probably, like, my third favorite of his, third or fourth favorite. I think I liked it more in storytelling, too, actually. Yeah, so... Definitely recommend checking out Weiner Dog whenever it uh, comes out in your area. I'm looking forward to some Weiner Dog. You'll like it. Nice. I've watched uh, Bunny Lake Is Missing
1: from 1965. This is an auto premature film, a mystery, little mystery movie. Uh, black and white cinematography, fantastic performances, great, especially Lawrence Olivier as the the superintendent, the detective that's on the case. Essentially, it's just this sister, brother and sister in Britain. They're American. She takes her kid, her daughter, to first day of school. When she goes at the end of the day to pick up her kid, kid's not there. Kid's name, Bunny Lake, hence the title. So she calls in police, trying to find this kid. Police start thinking that kid doesn't exist, right? So that's where they're thinking. That's where they're headed. But everything works wonderfully in the, the missing persons procedural that makes up the majority of the film it's just you know Olivier asking questions getting answers and trying to he's not quick to make any judgments he's really you know he's calm and he's calculated um and it all works quite well and then there comes a point in time where it it the movie twists there's the plot twist Mm. that lets you know what's going on and it's just I mean, it really works as a twist because you don't really see it coming because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the whole movie changes, like just on a turn of a dime. and you're just like, ah, oh, okay. And it turns into this completely different movie where you have you're dealing with someone with mental illness that they've been dealing with like their entire life, but no one mentioned it whatsoever thought to mention it like it just it's really bizarre and it's just it's a really jarring term because in the beginning of the film you have all this like reason and logic of you know olivier asking questions and doing the investigation and trying to figure things out and being reserved in his judgments and everything and then all of a sudden all that's just kind of like thrown out the window and i I, it just kind of fell apart for me towards the end there
0: Mm, that's unfortunate. That's... I mean,
1: I st- I would still like it's like a light recommend, <clears throat> but man, it just I don't know. I mean, and it's based off of a book, so I guess that that was in the book as well. I don't know if they handled it better in the novel or or what, but
0: it just seemed like completely out of left field type thing. Mm, that's unfortunate. So that's Bunny Lake is missing. Uh, I saw men go to battle. Battle. Uh, I'm not going to talk really any too much about this because I have. A- I have a suspicion that we're going to be reviewing this on next week's show. Yeah, we are. Yeah, so directed by Zachary Traits. And I'll just say this. Uh, check it out. I would say go go check it out. If you're into really dry... It's comedy, but don't go into it expecting to laugh a whole lot. I would say that the trailer makes it out to be a lot funnier than it actually is. Uh okay. But the idea of a civil war comedy is one that I think is, I think that's an untapped resource. I would love to make a civil war comedy because there's not really too many of those out there. No, there's
1: not. And, And you you know, you got the two guys from new cops. Yep.
0: (laughs) And I gotta say, they are hilarious in this. (laughs) Uh And I could hear them just have conversations with each other all day you just make that a movie <laughs> and you would watch it. Yeah, but I, I would I want it to be world. I would want it to be in a civil war setting though. Gotcha. Cuz that's what makes it funny. The fact that it takes place in 1861. So, we'll talk more about it on next week's show, um but it it comes out next week, so we'll, we'll definitely so get excited. into it. Keep it keep it on your radar though, men go to battle. So excited for that one.
1: Uh
0: I watched uh, Cemetery of Splendor from a picture pond We Rest <laughs> cycle.
1: <Cythical>. This <laughs> Real quick, this popped up on Netflix Instant, right? Nowhere on my Netflix did it tell me that this popped up on Netflix Instant. I found out that, of course, I I found out about this because of Twitter. Someone was like, Cemetery Splendor is on Netflix right now. And I was like, No, it's not. I don't see it anywhere. Then I type in Cemetery Splendor. Boom, there it is. Why you hide your shit, Netflix? Like, put, I mean, like, it's a 2016 movie. Put that on the front page. Especially if you got those algorithms for me, like, hey, I think you would like this. I've watched all of his movies. Don't you think that should be on
0: the front page for me?
1: <laughs> Fucking Netflix, man. No,
0: they put, like, <laughs> season four of the Trailer Park Boys on there instead.
1: <laughs> they put all the Trailer Park Boys <laughs> on there, and it's like, I've never watched a Trailer Park Boys, and I'm never going to stop putting it on the front page. So, anyways, Cemetery Splendor. Uh, I If... If you're a fan of his movies, definitely check it out um it's It's utterly transfixing. It's a very calm calm movie um much of it is just static shots of what's what's happening here is they they bring these soldiers into the small town because they have this sleeping disorder sleeping sickness or whatever they just they're in, they sleep it's almost like narcolepsy they're they're asleep for long periods of time they wake up for a little bit. And that they think everything's fine, and then all of a sudden they just fall back asleep, and then they have to put them back in the beds, and they get these sleep apnea machines and stuff, and they have these tubes like next to the bed that go through different colors, so it'll be like green, and then it'll kind of flush to red, and then it'll flush to like the blue. So they have it, and it's just long static shots of like people sleeping with these lights going, and for some reason it just works, and then you have like the whole, essentially like the soundtrack is just like the breeze blowing through the windows and like insects chirping and that type of thing. It almost just, it's, it's almost like it's trying to lull you to sleep, but it's really interesting in the sense that they have, and I'm kind of ignorant. Well, not kind of, I'm full on ignorant of what's happening in his homeland, you know, politically speaking, but I know that he's trying to touch on some of that. So I'm just kind of grasping at straws and just trying to figure things out. And, uh, They have this whole thing where they say that the the soldiers that are sleeping, their their spirit or their energy is being drained by because it's on top of a cemetery of kings and they're still fighting their battles, so that's why they're asleep, because they're getting all their energy drained, because they're being used to fight these battles. And it just it's it gets you really into a mood of like meditation. It really gets you thinking. And it's just there's something about like the rhythm of his movies and just the overall feel to them that I just I love so much. So I would highly recommend that.
0: Okay, and that's Cemetery
1: of Splendor by Pitch pong We Resethical. And then I immediately watched Green Room after that, which is like the most <laughs> insane transition you can have. Do not do that. And that's what I'm saying. Like I did this the same thing happened with Carnage Park. I watched like a really like wonderful movie that was kind of slow and it's just very inviting and it's just kind of chilled you out and then i went into carnage park and it was just the, the,
0: yeah it sounds like you should have done try to try to do the opposite yeah, then good. cemetery of splendor It's just like holy shit uh so i saw independence day resurgence now before you say anything i'm gonna give a little backstory about this so uh Twenty years ago, I saw the original Independence Day. My dad took me to see the original Independence Day, and I loved it. We had a great time. He he is his guilty pleasure is disaster movies. My dad, my dad likes a lot of movies. My dad, uh, he he's definitely a movie buff, but his guilty pleasure is disaster movies. So when the first Independence Day came out, we went to go see it. I loved it as a kid. I thought it was just so much fun, and just it is. The, the quintessential summer blockbuster popcorn movie. And so he was visiting uh, this, this year for 4th of July, and one thing that he wanted to do was go see Independence Day Resurgence. So I was like, all right, yeah, that'll be, it'll be kind of a nostalgic, you know, trip down memory lane, so to speak. Whoa, boy was, boy were we in for a surprise. Because this movie it probably was the worst thing I've seen all year. I wanted to walk out of this thing so bad. He wow. fell asleep and he slept through almost the whole movie. Uh it this movie is an absolute disaster, no pun intended, from start to finish. It is so and I didn't go into it expecting greatness, you know. But yeah. it is so much worse than you were. Whatever you're thinking about Independence Day Resurgence right now, Kevin, it is worse than that. Wow, this is like sci-fi presents Independence Day Resurgence. It is such a garbage movie. Uh, I did not enjoy one minute of this film. Which yeah, is, but have them special effects? They're not great. They're not ah. great. I mean, they're they're on par with the other kind of effects laden. Michael Bay esque yeah. movies that are coming out these days, where they're they're fine, but there there's nothing visually arresting with them. You know Weird. what I mean? Like it's just okay. Yeah, I get it. I cities kind of cities are being destroyed, and that's the thing about this movie is like they take the, they take the events of the first one and crank it up to eleven. And I'm telling you, half the world gets destroyed in this movie. I mean, and they don't even like they don't even really explore that or kind of discuss the fact that the, the alien ship is, I think they said it's 3000 miles long and it just destroys so much of the world. And they're just like, they just kind of skate over that. They show it happen, but you don't really see the effects of that. And like what, what kind of, what that does to the world. And it takes place. So it brings everybody together. That's what it does. It takes place twenty years after the events of the first film, and in that time, we the Earth used the alien technology to like develop all of these new weapons and new new lines of defense if they come back. And in one in one motion, they destroy the aliens destroy everything (laughs) that we did. And then they introduce this they introduce this other thing into the movie. And you're just like, what is going on? And it's they use the most ridiculous plot devices that make no sense whatsoever. The leaps in logic that they take in this movie, they it doesn't follow its own rules, which drives me crazy. Like there there's a scene where uh they they mm-hmm. have a, a team that flies into like the alien mothership and they're they're flying their 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 jets, their alien jets throughout this mothership thing. And that they the mothership cuts off all the power there's like an EMP type thing that cuts mm-hmm. off all the power to their to their jets so they can't fly they don't have weapons all this stuff but somehow they still have comms so they can still communicate with each other and home base and it's just like it's small things like that that really add up to be utterly ridiculous but that the the thing that they add and I'm just going to straight out say it they add another alien race into this movie oh, shit. and we it's, get, it, it, are we getting, are we getting invaded by two or is this one helping it's us? helping huh. it's helping, but what it is is it's basically a white sphere it's like a giant white ball that it's just a like an a i thing and it helps humans and oh my god dude it is it is utterly <laughs> ridiculous I, I I couldn't even believe what I was watching. the dialogue <laughs> yeah. is unbelievably atrocious and i frankly can't understand how anyone because they brought back almost the whole cast they brought back everybody except for will, will smith. smith and so instead of instead
1: of having a movie where a, a black guy saves all of humanity it's yeah it's liam
0: <laughs> liam hemsworth <laughs> yeah, well, white guy.
1: well and not it's, only
0: it's, that they're like oh let's add to it and make it a white spear yeah it, well it's it's not just Liam Hemsworth, it's, you know, it's an ensemble like the first one, and it's uh, the son of Will Smith. So the... this okay, the, so they do get him in there? Yeah. But it's funny because, you know, they have to write him out of the story. So they just nonchalantly mention the fact that he was killed in a training mission. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, I know your dad was killed in a training mission, but... You know we're we're here to fly these planes, and I was like, okay, well, I guess that wraps that <laughs> that up. And then also, so Vivica A Fox is in it, and she dies because <laughs> if you remember in the first movie, she's a stripper, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. In this, she's a freaking doctor. So somehow, and I'm not saying that strippers can't be doctors, but but she, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, a little she, bit of a, cool. a, a leap there. That's cool. She, she either way, yes, yeah, she, she accomplished she, that. Yeah, she furthered her career and all that. Uh, She dies like <laughs> uh, almost immediately. And it's just the, the line because, you know, of course, her son is right. It just happens to be right there to see her get killed. And he's like, Mom, no. <laughs> it's just, oh, my, oh my God. Wow. Sorry for the spoilers for anybody that but don't see this. Like, I hope I spoiled it for you to the point that you no longer <laughs> want to see it because it is. It is so cringe-inducingly bad. It's, man. Uh, good. I mean, there's good people in this. Charlotte Gainsbourg's in it. Uh, the girl from, I think, what's her name? McKenna Grace? Is that who I'm thinking of? The girl from uh, It Follows and... No, that's not who I'm thinking of.
1: What, uh, what is her name? It, Monroe?
0: Micah Monroe, that's it, yeah. Yeah. The girl from It Follows and um, The Guest. She plays... Bill Pullman's daughter. I don't know why they didn't get the actress that played his daughter in the original one. Cause she's still acting, but whatever. She's, she's pretty good in it. It's just that the dialogue they were working with was so terrible. Like yeah. it wasn't funny. Like it just didn't have that, that charm that it's the original one did.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: But yeah, Independence Day Resurgence is a complete pile of shit and it should be avoided.
1: Uh okay so i mentioned it i saw green room right after watching cemetery of splendor <laughs> which i you know again i don't know if that's one of those things where because of watching cemetery of splendor beforehand if that's kind of informing how i felt about green room because you know cemetery of splendor kind of lulled me into this very relaxed state of you know like meditation and being thoughtful and stuff like that. And then you go into green room where it's just like nonstop brutal violence because the violence in this movie is fucking brutal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, holy shit that I just, I couldn't do it. I mean, I made it to the end, but I just, I was not interested in this at all. I mean, and it's, it's tough to try and to, you know, detach the personal from, because it's a well-made film. Don't get me wrong. The performances are good. It's wonderfully shot. Um, the image of Poots and Macon Blair, which I was really happy to see Macon Blair in there. And he was great in it, too. And yeah, those those two are just, they're fantastic. And everyone else, to a certain extent, too, is is great as well. I thought that those two were the best. Um, and the cinematography is great. And, you know, I thought everything about it execution-wise is, it's good. It's a good movie. Um, I just I have no interest in in seeing this experiencing this you know what i mean like maybe at a different time you know maybe if i didn't watch cemetery splendor (laughs) before beforehand let's say i watched carnage park and then i watched green room maybe i would be more i don't know attuned to it or something you know what i mean it's just i couldn't take like the box cutter i couldn't take the dogs (laughs) i could you know it's tough to see someone's throat ripped out and just have, you know, like a close up of a throat yeah. being ripped out and, you know, someone's arm being hacked up. And it's just like, oh
0: my God. The, yeah, you probably you probably should have worked your way down. So you, you should have started with Green Room, then did Carnage Park, then Microbe, then Cemetery. Yeah. So start As up it, and work down.
1: It would have worked out so much. I would have felt so much better.
0: Yeah, I would say uh, Green Room is still probably my number one movie of the year. It's up there. I loved but it. it, but and I, I totally agree with you that the level of violence, and it's not just, like, gory horror violence, it's grisly it's, real violence. It, like, yeah, it looks it's, real. It's all—it's
1: almost too real, I think, is the problem. And it's just so blunt and brutal. Yeah, You know, like, this person walks into this pit, oh, Jesus. Yep. <laughs> this person comes out the door, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's just... it's. Oh. J-
0: jeremy saulnier has he has a knack for i don't know if he's if he does that himself as far as the makeup effects and all of that or if he uses the same if he he's using the same crew that he used for blue ruin but or maybe it's just how he shoots it but it's just on another level as far as they, the realism. i
1: mean and again i props to them they do a fantastic job because it looks real as shit but it's almost one of those things where it's like it's maybe too real and it almost and at certain times it kind of just felt like violence for violence's sake like it, it was just like it just kept it was kind of unrelenting with its violence it's oh, just yeah. and it's you know blue ruin kind of had some of the same things going on but you had making blair at the center and his character that kind of softened up the movie a little bit where here you kind of have that with anton yelkin and even making blair again to a to some extent. But I did it needed to be softened up a little bit more for me. Yeah. A lot more actually. It's just I couldn't handle it. I just to be honest, I couldn't handle it. It's, it's not for me.
0: It's definitely yes. It's it's definitely a difficult film for sure, just trying to endure it because it's it's really intense. I didn't I never thought that it glorified the violence though. Like I never See, got that idea. And that's the thing that I'm still trying to
1: I'm still trying to tackle. You know what I mean? Because, like, Carnage Park's kind of the same way.
0: I, think, I, I have, think Carnage Park did glorify it, though. Yeah, and I, I didn't have
1: as much of a problem with Carnage Park. I don't know if it was because it was going for that grindhouse feel.
0: Yeah. But maybe, it was more of what a... It, was. it might be it was a tone thing. Like a, well,
1: yeah, that too. The, I think the tone helps with it. And the fact that I couldn't take Pat Healy seriously because he didn't <laughs> hold a sniper rifle right. Um, But and it was kind of like a recognizable grindhouse look and tone to it. Like I mean, in a sense, you can call Green Room grindhouse, but it doesn't have the look and the you know, like the straight Mm -hmm. up like lifted from grindhouse influences. Right. I don't. You know. You know. I can watch something like John Wick, which is just nonstop, but I'm okay with that.
0: I think it's a tone thing because with John Wick, uh, again, although that it's extremely violent, it's done. In a more like action oriented way, where yeah you and at least you, got you, some choreography you, there you, you don't take it so seriously, whereas Green Room, like the, the way that they set it up and the way that they present the violence, it's done in a very, very realistic and, and really serious way, although there is you know there is comedy in it, but not comedy when it comes to the violence.
1: Yeah, and there was a certain point where I was like, "Please don't say your desert island band," and then he said his desert island band. I was like, "God damn it!" Yep. I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't like that.
0: Eh, I didn't really care about whether or not I he know, it's, he it's it's feel a, bad. It's, a
1: nit, it's a nitpicking thing, but I was just like, "Don't don't do that here," and they did. So I I, I have no idea what the field agreement. I mean, on a personal level, I just it's not for me. Huh.
0: Yeah, oh, I, I can understand and respect that. I think The Green Room is not a movie for a lot of people. I think it is a very kind of polarizing film, but it's still one of my favorites of the year. It That's available on VOD right now, so you can check it out if you'd like. Don't... <gasps>
1: I can't stress this enough. Don't watch Cemetery Splinter, then Green Room. Don't do that. You can watch both of them, but not never in that order. Don't ever do that. Not sure there'd I be
0: was... too many people in that situation.
1: Probably not. I don't know why I did that.
0: Uh, so that's Green Room. Uh, the last one I saw, keeping with the colors theme, was Red Road.
1: Oh, is this the... The uh...
0: the uh, Andrea Arnold one.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, you saw this a while, a while back, a couple months ago. Correct. So this was, uh, came out in 2006. I think this was her directorial debut. If I'm not I mistaken, might be right. Uh, basically it's about a, a CCTV operator who happens to see someone from her past who she thought was in prison, but turns out that he, he got out and she co- sort of becomes obsessed with him and, watches him and then starts to inject herself into his life. And it just kind of goes from there. You're the whole time you're trying to figure out, you know, what is their relationship? What did this guy do? What happened? What was the event that occurred in her past? That is that, that has kind of made her like this because she seems like kind of a, a shell of a woman at this point. She just, goes through the motions of living life so you know something terrible happened but you're not exactly sure what Mm -hmm. and as the film progresses they they do reveal what that was and uh, i liked i liked this movie a lot um the the whole cctv thing i thought was just interesting in and of itself where you know your job is to watch people you know your job is to just you have this sector of scotland and you're just your job is to pan through CCTV cameras and look for trouble and uh when once this person shows up she kind of puts all of her focus on watching this person and as a result she kind of like misses some you know really important things that are occurring and it starts affecting her job and she starts drinking more and it's hurting the relationships that she that she has with those around yeah.
1: her and she makes some really questionable decisions
0: yeah there's and this i can't remember what you said about this movie but there were multiple times during this movie where i'm like what are you doing Mm -hmm. what are you doing Mm -hmm. and and it's just like it's a frustrating movie because you you just want her to stop and leave it but she just can't and she just makes some just really really bad decisions uh although i thought that it I thought that it ended in a really interesting way because it, you don't know what's going on. And then the movie kind of turns into this revenge film sort of, and then it backs down from that. And I appreciated that. And I I liked how they ended it. I agree with you. But I was already excited for American honey. And now I'm, now I'm really excited to see, to see that her, her next movie, the one with Shia LaBeouf.
1: She is quite good.
0: Yeah. So that's Red Road. I would uh definitely recommend seeking that one out. I got one more for you. That's Back to the Future 2, 1989. Continuing oh. your
1: Back to the Future. Going uh, I want back foray. to the future. Uh this one is this is a weird ass movie. I th- I had so many feelings throughout <laughs> this movie. Uh the first of which were like the first part where he goes like to the future. I thought it was really interesting to see all the futuristic stuff. No denying that, that stuff was really that was great. Just seeing all the different shit, it was fantastic. Um, I don't know why they have everyone doing weird ass voices. Like everyone has different voices, and they're all why Michael J. Fox is playing his future kids, both the the daughter and the son. That was just really bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Especially the way he plays the daughter; it's just really freaky, <laughs> freaked me out. It's just like, and because of that, because of all the because he plays his son too, but the way in which he differentiates himself from him and his son is he plays the son with this really annoying voice. And then of course he plays the future him and that all these people have different voices and it's just, it's irritating as shit because they're all just really irritating voices. They're really grating. And it was just really pissing me off. And I've just also, the main thing that I've come to find with this is I just hate the McFly family. Like I just, I don't, why is there, why are they at the center of this? They're
0: just,
1: <laughs> they're just a bunch of fucking losers. I I hate their family. They're just awful. I don't know what it is about them. I just don't like them. So you're on Biff's side. I hate Biff too. I just hate both of these people in this town. They're like the two worst, like there has to be more interesting people in this town. And it just, it irritated the shit out of me. And also I was just really confused by the whole Elizabeth Shue thing. How they just, like, zap her out and then just throw her in trash. And they're just like, well, just leave her. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> you guys are really, like, really self-centered. Like, this is kind of ridiculous. You're just leaving her in trash, man. And they keep doing that to her. Like, they don't even reckon, like, when they come back to the new 1985 or whatever. And it's all, like, a shithole. And there's bars on windows and stuff. And, again, they're just like, we'll just lay her out here. And it's like, you guys don't see, like. I, I'm i watching the movie and I can see that it's a shithole. Like, are you guys not more observant than that? So when it comes back to there, I, I, again, completely at a loss. I don't understand why she would marry Biff, even though he has like a shit ton of money. Like it still doesn't make any sense to me. And then of course they go back to the 1955 or whatever, because they got to, you know, fix everything to happen. And then it just feels like a rehash of the original movie. Because we're just watching all this stuff again.
0: I thought that was interesting. I thought that was a clever little thing where they go back to the original movie. But it's really funny because at this point in time, remember, at the
1: beginning of the film, I was really pissed off. I was irritated beyond belief. And then they finally got away from the future part. And I was like, oh, great. I don't want to go back there. But when they get to the third part and they're back in the 50s, I'm like, god damn, can we go back to the future? (laughs) (laughs) I want to go back. It's just, I I don't know. It's, it's okay. Like, it's okay to me. It's an alright film. I just really don't like their family. I really hate them at Flies. I just hate them. They're kind of annoying. They're just, oh my god, they're just, they're the worst. And Biff, like, I don't understand how Biff and Griff, like how he just does stuff, like in the town, and no one does anything. Like, he owns the town. It's like, but, yeah. Like they play it that way, but it's like, why don't someone just do something about Biff and Griff? That hoverboard scene, though. <laughs> hoverboards are cool. I like the Max. Max, what is that? Max Headroom. That mm-hmm. the the eighties cafe. Yep. <laughs> uh,
0: I think uh, I think part two is still my favorite of the bunch. And it's just the whole like chicken thing. It seems like what are you chicken? Yeah, like that is
1: what holds him back in his life. Like you're a pathetic person, man. Like you don't have to do like if someone calls you a chicken, you don't have to do everything that they say. Like he's just a really pathetic. They're just all pathetic people. <laughs> and it's just real, I just want more of Doc Brown doing his thing. I want to know what he's doing during all of this because it seems like he's having more fun. Could be. I don't like Michael J. Fox and his family. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. I just want they can fucking fail for all I care. They just fail. Would you rather have it be the Eric Stoltz version? No, probably not. Because mm. it's, it's still I don't it's still like what the family like they go back to go, you know, so his kid doesn't go to jail. And it's like that's what you're gonna you have a time machine <laughs> and you can do so much and you're just going back to make sure that Martin McFly's life doesn't turn to shit. Like That's really ridiculous. So so many better things that you could do.
0: I I would love to see a Back to the Future 4 where they go back and kill baby Hitler. (laughs) Yeah, like, there's so many, like, things that you could rectify instead
1: of, like, this piece of shit kid that doesn't have a backbone that just gets thrust into the situation because he can't stand up to Griff because his dad's, like, a loser. Because if someone says, oh, what are you, chicken? And he just immediately, like, these are pathetic people. Like, we shouldn't be helping them. There's better people to be helping <laughs> with this technology. And also, like, they have all this other futuristic shit, but no one else has come up with time travel besides Doc Brown? Like, how do they have all these other things, but they don't have time travel?
0: I don't know, man. It's 2015. It's craziness. They have it. Back to the future, too. <laughs>
1: I can't wait for Back to the Future 3. That's my where least they go favorite. to the
0: wild west like what the hell yeah that's my least favorite of them all just because I didn't care for the wild west setting no I
1: hate the wild west and they
0: turn a well yeah they turn a train into a time machine <laughs> shit I'm, I'm just I don't know I wasn't into that one really
1: yeah I want nothing to
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna finish now but oh yeah I think you should I mean, finish out the trilogy
1: I'm not I'm not
0: excited about
1: the prospects of wild wild west Martin McClaude being a smart out itself.
0: Yeah, yeah. Alright, let's talk about some predictions. Legend of Tarzan, you uh you said zero on this one. I said forty-six, actual thirty-four. Uh the purge election year, you said thirty-six, I said forty-eight, actual fifty-four. And the BFG, I said sixty-eight, you said eighty-four, actual seventy-one that movie bombed by the way did not do well at the box office this weekend oh really yeah critics critics seem to like it but it, uh didn't didn't do so hot hmm. i could care less
1: yeah i mean it doesn't look that great to me no.
0: uh next week we have the secret life of pets it's the animated film that i'm uh pretty interested in actually it looks looks like it could be fun It'd be fun, fun animated film. I think this is a DreamWorks one,
1: maybe? Yeah.
0: Uh, what are you thinking on this one?
1: Hmm. I'm going to say
0: 78. All right. Good score. Uh, Let's see. I guess I'll say 82 on that. Mike and Dave need wedding dates.
1: This came out of nowhere.
0: Uh, I'm not interested in this one. I've never heard all. anything
1: about this, but it's everywhere now. Yeah, it is. I'm so
0: confused. They, they made a big marketing push on this one.
1: Out of nowhere. Holy shit.
0: Anna Kendrick, Aubrey Plaza, uh, what's his name, Adam Devine, and uh, Zach Efron. Yeah. Probably yeah. worth some laughs, but this is one I could probably skip in the theater. I'll say yeah. 62. I'm going to say 58. All right. And I believe that's it as far as wide releases. In limited release, we have Captain Fantastic, it's one with Viggo Mortensen that I have no desire to see. Cell, which is the adaptation of the Stephen King uh, novel that is ha- currently has a zero percent right now, it's with John Cusack and Samuel <laughs> Jackson. Samuel Jackson. I read the book yeah. actually. I liked uh, the the book was pretty good about cell phones that turn people crazy.
1: Oh boy!
0: Yeah, fathers and daughters. Uh that's the one with Russell Crowe that doesn't look very good. Men Go to Battle, which I already mentioned yes. previously, should check that one out. Uh Zero Days, which is the new Alex Gibney documentary about uh cyber warfare. I'm interested in that. Uh that's pretty much it. Next week on video on demand, we have this is for so Tuesday. We have Me and My Mates versus The Zombie Apocalypse.
1: Oh, damn, that's a novel
0: idea. (laughs) Yeah, uh, probably won't be checking that one out. Uh, That's all I have for next week on VOD. There's probably some more in there, but that's all I have on the calendar. Blu-ray next week. This is for Tuesday, July 5th. We have Search Party. That's that Hangover-esque one with uh, Thomas Middleditch and TJ Miller supposedly pretty horrible The Adderall Diaries, that's one with James Franco I was actually kind of interested in that one, but I didn't really hear too much about it mm. By the Sea, that's the Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt one that I heard yeah. isn't very good I've
1: heard differing things on that
0: Doesn't look that appealing to me Direct, Directed by Angelina Jolie, right? Yeah Yeah. Not not too into that uh, The Family Fang Little Jason Bateman <laughs> action Oh boy, that's worth worth looking at, but I would not buy it.
1: No, no.
0: Uh-huh. Vigilante Diaries looks like a generic action movie with uh, Jason Mewes. Doesn't look great. Term Life—that's mm-hmm. the one with Vince Vaughn and his weird haircut and Harry <laughs> Steinfeld. <laughs> that one kind of just came. That one just kind of materialized. It's the one directed by um, Robert. Is it Robert Billingsley? Peter Peter Billingsley
1: still don't know.
0: Yeah, Peter try a different first name. Try another one. It's Peter Billingsley, Ralphie oh, okay. from A Christmas Story. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. he, who ended up producing like all of the John Favreau, Vince Vaughn movies. He directed that one. He d- he also directed that Couples Retreat movie that came out. From uh, his okay, back. okay. Yeah, uh, Boy in the World. Uh, I'd recommend that one. That was a good one, animated animated flick. Uh, nominated for an Oscar. Uh, let's see what else do we got here the Cabin Fever remake mm-hmm. which I have not seen but I, it just does not look very good uh, Arrow is releasing Blood and Black Lace definitely recommend that one well, no. Mario Bava action Hit it. yeah uh, that's pretty much it what do we have on the old criterion front next week we have one criterion that's from 1979 Arthur Hiller's
1: The In-Laws Starring Peter Falk and Alan Arkin. I've never heard of this movie, right? Never heard of it. When this was announced, you know, back when they did all their titles or whatever. This movie sounds amazing. Comedy with Peter Falk and Alan Arkin. Yeah. I just, I can't wait to see this.
0: Well, we we got it in, so. I'll oh, be, shit. I'll be sending it to you. Dope. Because of the mail, it uh, I wasn't able to send it to you. Uh, awesome because we got it we got it in Saturday so I had no mail went yes yesterday or today so I have to send it out oh, tomorrow. Yeah. It comes out tomorrow. Yeah
1: uh, I gotta cram it.
0: Eh, well, oh. Yeah well when you can.
1: Whew.
0: Oh boy. All right, I think that will do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulsenet and at filmpulse Kevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.